Let's go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is a Psalm of David. It's again, it's about the security of those who trust in the Lord and the insecurity of the wicked. And it goes into this real affirming spot in verse 23 through 26. And I'll read it and then I'll go through the points and break it down for you. I heard a preacher say you can't build doctrine out of the book of Psalms. And I disagree because the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped and prepared and fully furnished. So, in fact, there is vital and strong and sound doctrine. I can see Jesus in all the pages of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and that the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are there to guide us. The Father initiated it. Jesus brought redemption to us, and the Holy Spirit brings empowerment. Can I hear an amen? So we go to Psalm 37, and I'm going to read verse 23 to 26. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I'm not so young. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. What a power-packed paragraph. It reminds me of something that Pastor Eugene Peterson, the Presbyterian guy who is more famous for the Message Bible, he wrote another book in 1980, right when I graduated from Bible school, a long obedience in the same direction. And I love the phrasing of that. Say that with me. A long obedience in the same direction. And he talked about discipleship in an instant society, throwaway society, consumer-driven society. He was addressing the imperative of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. You know, not that I've already attained it or have already been made perfect, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which lie behind and reaching forward to those things which lie ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So it's a long obedience in the same direction. Isaiah 119 says that if you and I are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. But if we disobey, we'll be devoured by the sword. So there's a consequence for disobedience and there's a reward for obedience. The thing about it is the Lord is the master of our hearts and therefore He's at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul even said of the Philippian church, I am confident of this very thing. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Christ. He said, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, which drives back apprehension and drives forward the, the reality that God orders our steps, that God has a plan for us, that in this seemingly random chaotic universe, there's a God that has a purpose and that he bothers to care. In fact, it says, let's break this down. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. First, the steps. I want to tell you, your life and mine and ours, in terms of seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, and even eternity, deeply matter to God. Our steps, that represents our walk. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, to walk in love. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, to walk by faith and not by sight. 
It says in other areas that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And we're to walk with God. And he actually orders our steps. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 4. I love all of them, actually. But Proverbs 4, in the last part in verse 25, God, just the idea of him ordering our steps. I'll talk about this just briefly. But it says, um, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Sometimes we need to put horse blinders on our faces, those of us that are easily distracted. Get our eyes fixed on him. Lift up your eyes. My help comes from the Lord. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not only fixing our eyes, but he says, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Man, he leads us in a straight and narrow path. And if we'll follow him and walk and, and stay after him and follow in his steps, we're to follow in the master's steps. There's a book called In His Steps that came into popularity back years ago. The guy made a mistake and didn't re-up his copyright, and people began to copy the book illegally, basically. And it, you know, I probably frustrated the author, but it it precipitated uh, a movement. People wrote. He wrote in there, "What would life be like if people did what they said? What would what would Jesus do?" And then, in fact, for a brief period of time in the 90s. What would Jesus do became a repopularized idea. And I think for us every day, we need to follow him in his steps, learn his ways. I think about Philip, who, who's an evangelist, and his daughters were prophetesses. And in Acts chapter 8, God ordered his steps, and he walked by a guy that was an Ethiopian eunuch that was in a chariot, and he was reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, coincidentally. So Philip walks over and a voice says to him, hey, join this chariot. It's one of my favorite ideas of the Bible. My friend T.L. Osborne, the great evangelist, he wrote a book called Join This Chariot. I told him this is one of the best books on evangelism that I've ever read. He wrote one soul winning out where the sinners are and things like that. I said, that's good, but this Join This Chariot is compelling to me because it talks, it talks about God ordering our steps and God actually guiding us by his Holy Spirit. We're to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Philip joined the chariot. God spoke to him, and he, he said, man, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading from Isaiah, and, it's about, and it was Isaiah right at what we now know as 53, about Jesus, the suffering servant. It's about the Messiah. And he said, how can I know this if I don't have anybody to teach me? And Philip said, he immediately began to preach Christ to him. And then it goes fast forward, and the next verse the Ethiopian eunuch sees water and he goes, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip and the eunuch went in the water and he immersed him. And when the eunuch came up, Philip was gone. And he had been translated 32 miles away in a place called Azotus, which is trippy. Trippy, beam me up, Scotty, times a zillion, because it was real. Imagine the Ethiopian eunuch going, uh. That was a great start to his Christianity, I think, you know. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. Taylor and I, had, we had an appointment, and then we went and had Lion's Choice, and Taylor and I ordered up some meals, and we sat down at a booth. There was a gentleman in business casual, kind of a trim guy, a little younger than me. He was alone. And uh, I thought how blessed I was that I got to be with my son and have FaceTime in a booth, you know, and the, how good that is. And I, I saw him over there, and I just felt for him. I, then I realized the Lord was prompting me to join this chariot and that God, in fact, wanted me to, to talk to him about the Lord. So I thought, okay, 
every time I do this, it's like I have to overcome the invisible barrier of fear, fear of rejection, fear of coming off like a doofus, you know, being misunderstood, coming off awkward, coming off heavy-handed like a religious nut or something like that or fanatic. So then it's like, okay, so I go through all that every time, every time. I think we all have to overcome the invisible barrier of fear. So I just, I prepared by praying a little bit that God would prepare his heart and not knowing what to expect. So then afterwards, and I didn't tell Taylor I was gonna do this, and Taylor was cleaning up the trays and stuff. So I walked over, put my coat on, and we were going out the door. I walked deliberately over by him. He was just enjoying himself and having a good sandwich. And I said, uh, I said hey, remember Jesus loves you. At this point, I'm past him now. He looked over at me with a serene, knowing, honorable response as, as, you, as you know when you encounter family resemblance. And he said, I know he does. And it was so real. And I was like, oh, cool, man. God just wanted me to encourage a believer. You know, he wasn't unsaved. I could tell his testimony was, yeah, I, I, I get it. And it, it was deep. I could, you know, you could discern. It's not just dismissive, like, yeah, he loves you too. So then I flew out to do my meeting with the entertainment professionals, and Taylor and I found our way up to this mountain peak up uh, Coral Canyon Road off the Pacific Coast Highway. So we had this opportunity, and I mean, who wouldn't? You know, you, you, it's five degrees here, so you get to go there. And so we went up the hill, and we took a couple bottles of water, and we went up there to the top of the hill, parked at the little ranger station area, walked up through the rocks, and went up on this beautiful mountain peak we saw a couple of guys doing uh, rock climbing way over on another peak really far away. They were like little tiny stick men, and we weren't any bother to them. And we were just breathing in the fresh air and seeing the San Fernando Valley and then all the ocean front and then all the way out to Catalina because the air was so clear. And um, we're standing there and having a father-son moment, and I'm talking about our steps being ordered by the Lord. And then all of a sudden, we get buzzed by a drone. While we're out there trying to have solitude, and I, and I have a love-hate relationship for drones. I think it's awesome, helicopters and the radio-powered stuff. You know, like I've got a radio-powered ark, Noah's Ark. I'm super thrilled about it. I even want to buy all the animals for it and glue them in and everything. I'm all really jacked up about this, and I'm going to do wheelies on it and everything. So I like that, and I like, you know, panoramic, beautiful drone shots, but I hate the invasive intrusion of it. So this thing's flying over it. So I looked at it. I gave it the death stare. I, I thought it would pull it right out of the sky. And in fact, it slowed down it. It hovered over us. And then I got over it. And I remembered I was a Christian. And it's like, oh, yeah. So Taylor and I talked about it. And it was buzzing back and forth. And so Taylor said, I think it's that guy in the blue sedan down there. And I looked down there in a little bitty blue car. So we were looking at it. So then we were finished praying and fellowshipping. And we were getting ready to go back for the meeting. Taylor's leading worship. And I was going to speak. So... We go back down to where we were parked. You have to walk down through rocks and this big cliff. Something's beautiful. We got to the car, and there's this guy, and he's, he's got the drone and put it in his trunk, drove up, and he's getting ready to come out and do some more. So Taylor was ahead of me, and he was already in full-blown geek nerd talk with this guy talking about gear, you know. And, hey, that's cool, man, yeah. And, and, and so I looked at him, and I said, did you see me scowl at your camera? And he goes, oh, kind of. I said, well, I suppress the urge to throw rocks at it. And, and that's how we broke the ice. You know, so he's like, he smiled real big, and he, he said, I'm hired to do this. I said, is this for surveillance for the, the park ranger? No, no, I, I, I'm doing this for uh, product testing. 
And Taylor then said, oh, wow, you got it in a backpack. He said, yeah, but the backpack's too big for the overhead, so I have to go back and tell him to reduce the size of the backpack. Ah, because that's what he was hired to do. And then I said, hey, so I tried to join in the geek talk, so I went, man, that's car is that carbon fiber? Does anybody know what carbon fiber is? It's some of the coolest material. Guys, come on. Everything's better with carbon fiber. Do you guys respect carbon fiber? Nobody's getting this. This is such a great, thank you. Some of you are getting this. It's carbon fiber is fabulous. He goes, yeah, it's carbon fiber, but there's also a material, and he named it, and it threw me, so it's like, okay, it's even better. It's more expensive, and it's stronger and lighter and everything. Cool. So we just chit-chatted a little bit, and Taylor talked to him. He knew more about drones than I did, and so then, you know, we we're making light conversation. So I said, we'll see you, dude. Thanks, man. All right, bye. So he went up the hill, big smiley face, six foot five, big long hair, you know, Wayne's World kind of hat, said drone on it, L.A. dude. We got in our rental car and we were driving out as he was walking back up and I felt that same prompting I did at Lion's Choice to join this chariot. So I, I, my steps were ordered by the Lord. I rolled down the window. I said, hey man, hey, remember Jesus loves you. And he goes, dude, I just broke up with my girlfriend, man. I'm all in for God. So Ta Taylor leans forward and I was like, so he comes walking. He's got the drone and the remote control and he's got his hat and he's just lit up. He said, I found a good church. I'm, I'm couch surfing at my friend's house in Ventura. He, there is, he's a godly influence. I'm making adjustments. But I loved how he said, I'm all in for God. Say that. I'm all in for God. So I said, well, listen, man, we're having a meeting with entertainment professionals. Really? Where? I told him, oh, yeah, I can GPS that with my drone, Google, whatever, high-tech geek thing. I said, it's at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock? Yeah, I said, I'll put your name on the list. He said, cool, dude. So... He comes in, still wearing all the same clothes. He, he said, I, I just knew I had to just come here because of traffic. I said, I understand. He comes. He's standing at the table uh, with a, a stand-up comedian having this amazing conversation. And there he is. And then at the end of the meeting, and I introduced him to friends that I've had for 35 years, people that are in his same field. And it was really sweet because here's this guy who's recently rededicated. And the Lord ordered our steps all the way up to this mountaintop. And initially, I was really bothered by the drone, but God had to have me push past the annoyance, and there was actually a God thing to it. And so what ended up happening was, he comes up to me at the end of the service, and he goes, dude, you want to know how small a world this is? You said you're from St. Louis. And then he showed me a picture on his phone of a girl who grew up in our church who is married to the guy who I just found out yesterday who was here with the family getting baptized, was the guy that led him to Christ out in California so many years ago. And he's married to this girl named Taylor, and when he showed me the picture, I said, yeah, I know that. And it's like, yeah. I've got goosebumps now. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. The Lord, just get a hold of this for 2018. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. I have so many testimonies about this. It's supernatural. This will get you into expectation. It'll get you out of the doldrums. It'll get your head up, make you alert. I got a buzz off of that. And yesterday, I was there with this family right over there. We were talking about this, and I'm just thinking, there's a God in heaven. Who could argue against that? I walk by faith and not by sight, and I don't need signs, and, I don't, and I'm not to look for sensory reinforcement. But when it happens, it's a token of good, and I rejoice in it. I'm not led by it. 
but I appreciate it. And I don't scoff at them. I appreciate them. They're, they're not my guidance system. It just shows me the bearings of God's plan. It's wonderful. The steps of a man, your individual personhood as a woman, as a man, as a child. And in fact, he said, I was young and now I'm old and I've not seen the righteous forsaken or God's descendants or people beg for bread. He's gracious to us. I think about Psalm 8 earlier in the Psalms where David is out in the fields as he often was having solitude and time alone and he wasn't being buzzed by drones. He said, I, when I consider the heavens, Psalm 8, 3, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. That's what I was looking at the ocean, the mountain peaks, how the rocks had been pushed up probably by glaciers and things like that at the beginnings of God's creation. What is man that you take thought of him? and the son of man that you care for him. God's thoughts are toward us. Believe it. You've heard people say, hey, you were on my mind. You were in my thoughts, thoughts and prayers. In fact, in recent days, I've watched people in the newscasting. They would go, instead of saying, you're in our thoughts and prayers, they would go, you're in our thoughts. They started dropping prayer. Thankfully, we're having a mid-course correction back towards some godliness. Hallelujah. Acknowledging God. This is saturated with his God stuff. David is going, man, your creation is so cool. And when I consider how awesome the Milky Way is and all the shooting stars and the moon and all this trippiness, what is man that you're so mindful of him? God knew this guy, my new friend up on the mountaintop, had just gotten all in for God about two weeks before. And so God arranged for a preacher and his son to go all the way up on a mountaintop 2,000 miles away from the their house and on the day of my preaching, which I normally don't do, in order to cross paths with him and affirm his recent conversion. And I, in fact, the guy at the, the Lion's Choice, it was, that basically was confirmation rather than revelation. It was just he, he, out of his mouth, said, yes, I know he loves me. And in fact, I was in another place right between those, and I looked at a man, and he was sipping on a, a, a juice, you know, one of these pressed juices, green you know, like how alfalfa or hay or freshly cut lawn or something, you know, they drink in California. And I said, and I looked at him and I took a breath. And I said, hey, Jesus loves you. He goes, yes, I know he does. It was another one of those. And I thought, God, everybody I'm preaching to is saved. This is a good sign. We may be onto our billion soul thing already. What is man that you're so mindful of him? Steps of a man are established, ordered, directed, purposed. God had a purpose for us. I thought it was just to go get fresh air and take in the beauty of nature. But while David was taking in the beauty of nature and the fresh air, he got the revelation. Your steps are established, sure footing, security, and they're ordered, they're directed, they're purposed. Established by the Lord, by the Lord. The Lordship of Jesus is the single most important situation you and I will ever be in. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul and ignore Jesus as Lord? The steps of a man are ordered by his Lordship. And as it's like, not my way, not my will, your will be done. As our constant drumbeat of faith is going to help us to veer off of trouble, I turn my foot from every evil way that I may keep your word. This is interesting. He, God, delights in his, your way. What? God gets a kick out of his creation. Hey, listen, people have asked me now that I have a grandchild, how was Christmas? Fabulous. Because we have this little darling. It's just everything's new for her. 
Every little, every Christmas light, every ornament, she'd take off all the ornaments and walk them across to you, put them on your lap, and then go back. All the ones we labored to put on with the hooks, she'd tear the hooks off and they'd be lost. We didn't care. It was just so cute. And she piled up like 40 of them on my lap. And I thought, this is just wonderful. It's delightful. Just delightful. Even when she's cranky. Isn't that cute? She's whining. Oh, isn't that the cutest whining? She's grumpy. Aww. Do you remember when God created the heavens and the earth? What did he say? It is good. It is good. He said it a bunch of times. What did he say at the end? It is very good. That is an exclamation of appreciation. God, for his pleasure, he has created us, the scripture teaches. It pleased God. It pleased God to even allow Jesus to be crushed in order that redemption would come to the rest of us. It pleased God. For Jesus, he called his suffering and sacrifice the joy set before him that caused him to endure the cross in order that salvation would come. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights. He enjoys what he has achieved. He likes it. He likes it. He loves it when we obey him. He loves it when you show up in five-degree weather. He loves it when you crack open your Bible. He loves it when you sow in the offering, when you, you know, you're trying to make ends meet, and yet you want to keep the discipline of sowing. He loves it when you make it, hey, I want to make it a priority to lay up treasure in heaven and put things in that will be value added for eternity. He loves it when you and I step out of our confines of our comfort zone and do things in cooperation and obedience to him. He could use that stuff. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. How trippy for a guy to break up with his girlfriend and get serious about God and be all in for God and get back in church and then find out that I know the wife of the guy that in California married the girl that was raised in our church who now is a worship leader in another church and yet uh, out of all his when not if but when he falls he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand again indulge me thinking about my little grandchild holding hands with her when she started to walk and she would sometimes clamp onto my finger and she would hold but most of the time I just hold onto her hand and kids' hands and feet are designed to slip out because, like, if you think about their legs, their legs, physiology, the physics of it, they're built like this, and then you, how many socks have we had to pick up here at church and put in the lost and found? That you put those little beautiful expensive socks you buy from the Baby Gap or whatever, and you put them on their feet, and then you can just watch them just shoot right off their feet. And same thing with us Christians. It's like pulling, 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 trying to be independent, but yet the Bible says, the Lord, because he's holding our hand, we will not be hurled headlong when he falls. And I think about every child I've raised, I have had this experience, and now my grandchild, as I'm walking with them, they would slip, and I, I, because I'm holding them, and I'm taller, and I've been all around, and I'm experienced, I hold on to them so they don't fall off into the curb, fall down and skin their knees. God has his hand holding us. We're in his hand. We're in his grip. Hallelujah. God has a good grip. I remember Mike, he was a beautiful member of our church, and he was a truck driver. He had big, giant forearms, and I'd do this hand-squeezing thing, you know, and he put up with me for about three years, and finally he got enough of it. He just looked at me, and he just brought out his superpower. And I squealed like a three-year-old baby, and I, and I knew never to do it again. 
So even though he's in heaven, I'm acknowledging he was the champion of hand squeezing. But guess what? He would say, no, Pastor Jeff, God holds us by his hand. God holds us. Let's all stand up on our feet. We'll dismiss with repeating these verses. I want everybody to stand up, be bold, say this, fill your lungs with fresh air, and say the Psalm 37, verse 23 through 25. Ready? The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Let's just continue to the 27. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. I pray this year for you is a year of fruitfulness, that this is a new season of strengthening, fulfillment, achievement, prosperity, and abundance. This is what I want to finish with. There are people out there that need you to walk in this council, be available to the Holy Spirit, and that to connect with them to enrich their lives, to lift them, to voice, to be the privilege of being able to speak into people's lives on those occasions. We don't have to blurt at everybody, but there are some people, God, through the course of our day, wants a our, us to join that chariot or communicate with people. I trust God will help us make that phone call, make that text, make that contact. You're being stirred to do it, just be led by the Holy Spirit. Pray for people. I pray for people, and then I see them. I said, I prayed for you yesterday. It's amazing. God is so good with this stuff. I said, God is so good with this stuff. <laughs>